Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Baggies Broadcast. Uh, a happy new year to everyone listening. This is our first one of 2018. My name is Luke Hatfield and I'm joined as ever by our West Brom correspondent here at the Express and Star, Mr Matt Wilson. Matt, happy new year. Happy new year to you too, Luke. How are you this new year? Have you had a good uh, little New Year's break or have you just been busy working? Been very busy covering um, West Brom games that have been promising performances but ultimately ended up in defeat so <laughs> yeah um i must admit i was very surprised on new year's eve i received a 10 30 p.m email from you mr wilson working late into new year's oh yeah yeah new year's eve was a write-off after that um lovely decision by sky to move our game to half four yeah uh, I, I actually read your comment piece as well regarding that and there was a lot of uh scathing criticism coming in from you regarding that but we'll, we'll obviously move on to that one uh, do, you, do you got a new year's resolution um, New Year's resolution, I don't know, probably put the phone down more and spend more time with the family. I don't oh, know. Touching that. <laughs> uh, well, you know, we'll move on quickly because obviously we've got a ton of Albion stuff to talk about. I mean, there's been a number of games we need to catch up on. Four in total. Um, the game against Stoke, Everton, Arsenal and West Ham. Obviously, no win for Albion as of yet. <laughs> no. Um, is it officially time to worry? Oh, I think the time for worrying um, was long ago. I think, yeah, we are at um, crisis stage now. Um, 20 games without a win in the league, mm-hmm. which beats that you know famous Villa side, which I'm sure you uh, remember so fondly that went down two seasons ago. I'm fully aware of that run. I must admit, this run doesn't quite compare in the way that Villa lost a lot of them games. Well, West, yeah. West Brom are drawing their fair few and they're still in touch, whereas Villa at that point, it was a struggle for them. Well, that's the issue, isn't it? I, mean, I had this conversation with um, one of the national journalists after, I think it was the Arsenal game, who covered that Villa run. And he said, this is, it, it's nothing like that. You know, this team are playing much better than that than that team ever did. You know, they are not in the same level of crisis as that team. Mm-hmm. Um, I would argue. You know, I think it's something like a, a ten draws on that run. So yeah. they're picking up points, but they just do not know how to win a game, and they are conspiring to not win games by any means possible. Whether they're in the lead, whether they're battling for a hard-earned draw, whether they're behind but looking good, mm-hmm. they just can't do it. Um, I don't think all is lost yet, but I think we are getting to the point, um, and all is not lost particularly because we've got January, the January transfer window, yeah. but we are getting to the point where things are getting pretty serious now, mm-hmm. um, and the fact that Pardew has had an impact on performances, but no impact on results, yeah. is, is especially worrying, because it's eight games now for him without a win. Yeah, it is worrying. But like you did say, he has, an, he has had an impact on the way that West Brom are playing. I mean, I noticed it from watching the Arsenal game, especially in the first half. They did a great job of pressing Arsenal so high up the pitch, which isn't something you'd expect from when Pulis was there. And they were doing well. They were winning the ball back early. And in fairness, they just lacked that cutting edge, didn't they? Yeah, I think Pardew's improved uh, the play in the middle part of the pitch mm-hmm. and arguably um, in some games at the back although not in all games I think the issue lies now in the final third and um, whether you put that down to um, you know a deficiency in recruitment mm-hmm. you know um, I would actually argue that the, the summer recruitment was on paper still pretty shrewd you know they strengthened from front to back they, they bought in a striker and they bought in a winger mm-hmm. but they spent £27 million on Burke and Rodriguez and they've only yielded three goals between them. Yeah. So that's obviously a failure. 
Um, but it's not as if they didn't buy a striker, which some 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 would argue they bought Rodriguez, they bought Burke. They just haven't done. They just haven't done it. Um, whether you pin it on that, whether you pin it on the hangover from Pulis, um, that this is a team you know designed and set up to win one nil, mm-hmm. and when those fine when you when you play with such fine margins, you are sort of dancing with the devil in the, in, in the sense that one mistake could cost you. Mm-hmm. Um, or whether you put it down as sort of a lack of quality inherent in the squad, or whether you put it down to a lack of confidence, you know, you have to say that it's probably a mixture of all those factors together, which is why they're on this run. Yeah, um, yeah, I'd probably suggest there's a little bit of, of bad luck to be thrown in there as well. I mean, the Everton, yeah. the Everton game, for example. I mean, they dominated that game. They just couldn't yeah, seem to I put the ball in. Don't necessarily subscribe to that though, mm. um, because if you look at the Arsenal game, they got a lucky penalty, yeah, a dubious penalty. Look at the West Ham game. James McLean's goal was deflected, took a massive deflection. That was yeah. a lucky goal. I mean, it was a great solo goal as well at the same time. Um, did really well to get himself into that position. But it was, there was a slice of fortune in that goal. Mm-hmm. So in those in the last two games, they have actually had that slice of luck that managers down the bottom always say they need. Yeah. And they still haven't won. Mm. Which for me... Bode, does not bode well, and that is incredibly worrying because I don't, I you know, I I don't think you can put it down to luck. Yeah, that's it's fair, and it's to be fair, it's probably right to say that Albion have, have earned that little bit of slice of luck in terms of them games. They just haven't really followed up with it. I mean, for example, the Arsenal game, winning that penalty. That, I mean, there were they were they had one waved away at the Emirates earlier this season. Yeah, I mean, there was a bit of poetic ju- poetic justice in that one. Um, and you could say, and I would argue, on the balance of play in that game, they deserved a point. Mm. Um, I thought they actually outplayed Arsenal for parts of the game. Yeah. Um, but you know, credible draws against Arsenal and and uh, Everton, you know, and even Crystal Palace, they're not going to keep you up. Mm. You need wins to keep you up, and this team and this manager don't seem to know how to win a game mm. and you said wins keep you up and games which they were highlighting well you would highlight as ones which they should go out and win Stoke and then West Ham I mean Stoke 3-1 it looks worse and worse by the day doesn't it that was a dreadful result and the, it was even more infuriating I think because Albion once again were the better side um, Stoke looked shot of confidence mm-hmm. they sat back they let Albion onto them particularly in the second half when they were trying to protect their lead. Um, Albion scored early in that second half. They should have gone on to equalise. They didn't. Um, and then the third goal flattered Stoke a bit. But, you know, it it, it just... That was epitomised, really, what the issue is. Is that Stoke, when they got their slice of luck, mm-hmm. when the ball bobbled kindly to Peter Crouch, um, they capitalised on it and they scored. When Albion got their slice of luck and Solomon Rondon found himself all alone eight yards out because the offside flag didn't go up after Kurt Zuma touched the ball to him. Mm-hmm. He missed, he blazed over and that's the difference. Albion are wasteful up top, they do not take their chances mm-hmm. and they make mistakes at the back and uh, it doesn't matter what you do in midfield or you know what you're doing in the middle of the park or how nicely you're playing, that at this level, at the top tier, is an absolute recipe for disaster mm-hmm. and it's proven to be. Yeah, I mean, promising results or performances, we should say, against Everton and Arsenal. Obviously, the the loss to West Ham, um, not helped by the fixture congestion um, and the fact that West Ham pretty much got a week off. Uh, we did touch on the common piece you were on that. 
I mean, Albion aren't happy about this, are they? I mean, it's something which could have a big impact if it comes down to the end of the season and it's a couple of points. Yeah, I personally think it's completely unfair. Um, you know, West Ham had um, seven days to prepare for this game mm-hmm. and Albion had two days, 48 hours. And it was deemed fair because West Ham and, Spur- and Spurs play on Thursday night, which means that they've got another game two days later. Mm. So it was thought, oh, well, it swings and roundabouts for everyone. But actually, Spurs and West Ham have got the same amount of time to prepare for that game. They've both got 48 hours. Mm-hmm. So it's a fair competition. Yeah. West Ham against Albion was not a fair competition. And Spurs against Swansea as well on the same night was not a fair competition. Mm-hmm. One team had significantly longer to uh, to prepare. Um, I, I do agree with those that say, you know, if you sign up to um, the Premier League's um, TV deal and if you're willing to take the TV money you should be expect this sort of thing mm-hmm. um, but I think for years you know, we, we've seen preparation times altered by TV by about 24 or 48 hours and you can understand that and you, you, should, you should expect that mm-hmm. but five days is too much yeah. and the, the decision made by the Premier League was made all the more baffling because they could have moved the Spurs-West Ham game which was initially due to play played on the Saturday and then was moved to New Year's Eve yeah. but then had to be moved because of um, rail strikes and, and reduced rail services. Yeah. They could have moved it back to the Saturday or they could have moved it to the Friday night and they didn't. Mm-hmm. So I think it's completely unfair. Um, we know that you know the chairman, John Williams, has, um, has, has uh, written to the Premier League to complain. I think the fact, just, just to prove how unfair it is, is the fact that David Moyes after the game said Agreed. It's unfair mm-hmm. on West Brom. They should never have been. They should never have supposed to have played that. Now, if the opposition manager is saying that, mm-hmm. then you know something's afoot. So, yeah, completely unfair. I mean, you just look at the game. Albion were. It meant Pardew couldn't play Barry or Brunt yeah. because they were knackered, and um, those those have been Albion's two best players in recent weeks. Yeah. And it also meant that Matt Phillips pulled up with a sort of tweak of his hamstring just before the game. Mm-hmm. So he's lost his arguably his three most creative and best players there available to him, you know, ahead of the game. And Albion were doing well to be leading at half time. Yeah. And in the second half, West Ham just looked fitter, faster, fresher, and um, it told in the end. And it told in the 90th minute, and well, in the 94th minute, I think 11 seconds before full time. And I think you know it's it's unfair. But that being said, it's gone now. It's done, and West Brom have to move on. And They've got to find a way of winning. Um, but when you take when you take that into account, you would you could say that Everton was promising, Arsenal was promising, West Ham those mitigating circumstances. So you could mm. argue, you could make a case for positivity yeah. around this fi- Christmas fe- um, schedule. Yeah. You but could. then, but then you look at it and it's twenty games without a win, and and I think you have to you have to have a dose of realism as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, which of them two defeats? I mean, I I, I assume you'll go with Stoke. Here. Which which of the two? Do you think was the most disappointing because the Stoke game? I mean, Mark Hughes is still in the job as we speak, but there's no guarantees in a week's time he'll still be there. Yeah, I thought Stoke were dreadful, so I said that game. Mm. I think Stoke are, are, are a poor side and, they're, and they're, they've got some obvious weaknesses. West Ham look a bit better under Moyes. Uh, Lanzing looks like a, a good player. Arnautovic was uh, he blows he blows hot and cold, but Carroll mm. is a there's always a threat. You know, I, it's difficult that first goal that he scored the header. I don't know who who can defend against that. He's got the run on them. I don't know how you defend against that. It's, mm. it's, it's. I think it's unstoppable, really. Yeah. So, although um, I would say that you know it's the second time in a matter of weeks that Gibbs and Evans have let a, a striker do that to them. That mm. Lukaku did it to them as well. So they need to be alive to that sort of problem. Gibbs has been absolutely superb this season, but um, you know he is. He, he has let a couple of um, 
strikers get the run on him at the back post and, and score headers recently, which I, I, I don't want to criticise him really too much because he's 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 been better than a lot of people, but they do need to be a, a lot alive to that, I think. Mm. And now five points for, like in that relegation zone, five points from safety. I'll four just, points, isn't it? Four points. Is it sorry. five? I believe it is five. I mean, unless my research proves me wrong, uh, we'll quickly draw this up. Either way, how does how does Alan Pardew fix this now? What does he what should he be doing? Well, he needs to be looking for a striker in January, doesn't he? I mean that's that's the main thing I think. Um I, I he seems to have got more and more exasperated as each week goes by. I can understand that. I I, I don't it's difficult because it, it, how much of this is 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 Pulis's fault and how much of this run is, is Pardew's fault. I mean, Pardew inherited a mess, a bottom-heavy side, which had mm. too many defensive midfielders in, not enough creative players. He's also had to deal with injuries to Chadley and Phillips, you know, and I think uh, Brunt, Brunt maybe wasn't injured, but Chadley, Phillips and Morrison as well, mm-hmm. you know, his three most creative players. So it's hard really to criticise Pardew too much, but then you do look at his um, record with... Um, Palace before he before he arrived, mm-hmm. um, I think it was six wins in a year, and you look at the impact that other managers like Allardyce, Puel, um, Moyes, and Hodgson mm-hmm. have had on their teams, and you think, well, actually, Pardew should have had some sort of reaction from his side. Mm-hmm. He has; he's made an impact on performances, but it just hasn't manifested itself in results mm. at, yet. Um, how does he fix it? He needs a striker in January. He needs a goal scorer by hook or by crook, whether we can get a loan, whether we can buy somebody. Whatever he needs to do, he needs to get a, a striker in, um, even if he needs to sell Johnny Evans to do it. He needs a, a finisher who can put the ball in the net because in recent weeks, Rondon missed, missed chances. Burke missed a great one-on-one against West Ham. Mm-hmm. You know they, They've only scored four goals, I think, in, that, in those eight games. Actually, they might. I think that's right. Maybe... Maybe it's a bit more, but yeah, they've they've not scored enough. So um, it's um, that's that's the key, really. Um, James Morrison, we hope, is going to be back for the Brighton game potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, if not, the game after that, he could be a big, a big help um, because they, you know, they need attacking players and mm-hmm. they need people who are not afraid to make contributions in the final third. And at the moment. Um, they're just not good enough in that area of the pitch. Mm. And just to clarify, Albion four points. Uh, four points safety. off safety. I'll, I'll, leave but, the re- I'll leave the research to West Brom correspondents. But the point still stands that they're now two games behind. So mm. Even if they win the next game, they won't be out of the bottom three. And that is a bad position to be in, especially when the teams in that area, like West Ham and Palace and mm. others, are starting to pick up points. Yeah, uh, we'd be remiss not to mention um, one of the altercations at West Ham regarding uh, Jake Livermore, West Brom midfielder. Um, I mean, it's it's sickening abuse really toward toward the midfielder regarding uh, the death of his son, um, which happened a couple of years ago. There's no place in football for stuff like this. Is there? I mean, people seem to forget that these footballers are in fact people. They have feelings. I think they do. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I think they all they see is the um, the shirt. I think that you know you, you've got a mixture of factor, factors at play here. I think. Um, there's a mob mentality when you're on the terraces, and there's a, there there have always been um, abuse from the terraces, you know, for years and years and years. And you know, we should point out that things were a lot better than they than they used to be, and mm-hmm. they're a lot better than they were in the dark days of the '70s and the '80s. And and players like you know Cunningham, Regis, and Batson were getting you know racist, you know, horrific racist abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, and things are better. And the majority of football fans are sensible. 
well-behaved people uh, who, who think this is an absolutely abhorrent um, thing for someone to say or mm. someone to bring up. But there is, there does seem to be, um, you know, a, a mixture of factors at play here. The, the fact that when someone's in the opposition and they're in their opposing team's strip, that uniform almost, for some people, it seems to forgive you to say anything to them. You're allowed mm. to. You, they they think they think they've got carte blanche and they can say what they want and it won't be, it, you know, it won't be picked up on. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also the fact I think that um, the astronomical wages in the game now mean that players, well, fans, some fans, not many, but some fans, mm-hmm. a small minority, just see the, just see the money. And yeah. they and you know they say well why on earth are they complaining about two games in three days you know go and speak to a doctor or a nurse mm. and I, I understand that argument and I understand that they're in a very privileged position but on the flip side you know why would you complain that your coffee's cold it, you know there are there are children all over the world who who can't get a drink of water mm-hmm. you know it's 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 it is an argument but for me it, it's it's all about relativity and. Um, you know, there are, there is arguably more pressure on footballers now these days. There's more scrutiny on the Premier League than ever before. And you know, you look at um, the plight of Aaron Lennon in re- in, in recent months. Just yeah. goes to show that money does not buy you happiness. Mm-hmm. And just because they're privileged and, and they're paid a lot to what the, for what they do, does not mean it's acceptable to to abuse them. You know, um, it reminded me of the Chris Brunt incident from two years ago. Mm-hmm. Now, ask yourself this: if you were at work. And you were treated in the way that Jake Livermore and Chris Brunt were treated in those incidents. Yeah. Would you think that's acceptable? Regardless of how, forget the money for a minute. Mm-hmm. That's unacceptable. Yeah. I mean, in day to day life, that's if you say that to someone, that's you know something that can get you in a lot of trouble. I mean, and the police can come. You know, at the end of the day, it's it's an issue where you, you touched on the money. Jake Livermore, he doesn't decide how much he gets paid. I mean, he's got an agent who negotiates. But at the end of the day, it's down to the club how much is paid. So. You can you can say that oh these footballers earn astronomical wages. It's not really down to them. It's down to the fact that TV money's coming in. Yeah, players are earning the money. You know they're entitled to earn what they want. Put put yourself in his position. You you, you of course you you take it. Yeah. You? Well, I, mean, I don't. I but that I mean I think it's just a small factor. Obviously the, mm-hmm. the main problem is that the person responsible for this comment was an app, you know just doesn't know how to behave properly. Mm-hmm. That's the main issue. Um, and I think um, the good thing is that I think you know. Albion's um, coaching staff, or, or I think Joe Carver and a few other people down there, yep. recognised what happened. Got in front of Jake before he had the, he had a chance mm-hmm. to understandably. I mean, understandably, he saw red and he he wanted to lamp the fella. Yeah. Um, but I think it was a good that that people were alive to the situation and they got him down the tunnel without. You know, it seems like nothing too much has happened. And I'd be surprised if Jake saw any retribution for that because I think the FA have handled that situation quite. Um, Professionally, in the past, you know, mm-hmm. they they, they um, understood the reasons behind his his cocaine problems. Yeah, did um, they reduced the you know the ban um, because of that? So they're aware of the situation. So I'd be surprised if if we saw any um, any you know um, ban handed out. Um, although although at the time of recording, we're not sure what's happening. But um, yeah. I think uh, West Ham are investigating the incident. They've identified the person responsible, and I wouldn't be surprised if he got a lifetime ban from from the stadium. Uh, yeah, and certainly I've seen a number of West Ham fans who are back in Livermore in this case as well. It's not something that's really welcome at all in football. No, of course, and you, and we we do have to say that West Ham fan, you know, it's it's one idiot um, yeah. amongst 
probably 50,000 sensible people, but there are. I do think that those factors that we talked about earlier do play a part. Yeah, so we'll move on a little bit now. Um, as I said, you know, it's a new year. Is it time for a new Albion? Uh, we'll talk about a couple of uh, New Year's resolutions for a number of names involved in the club. Uh, I'm just going to suggest a couple of names you're going to suggest what their New Year resolution should probably be okay. aimed towards. So we'll start with Alan Pardew. Can you give me a New Year's resolution for Mr Alan Pardew? Um, my New Year's resolution for Alan Pardew <laughs> would be... Um, far, oh, it's a difficult one. Um, mm. Buy a striker. I mean, I can't... I, can't get, I mean, he's, he has set his teams up pretty attacking. It's difficult to... Um, it's difficult to to criticise him there. I mean, maybe give Sam Field a chance. I'm mm. I'm a bit confused why um, he's you know all of a sudden not involved. Um, based on Pardew's what Pardew said when he first arrived about he, he puts more store in experienced players rather than um, youth team players. Mm-hmm. Perhaps you know that that gives an insight into what he thinks about um, you know I think and then when he's on this run I think he's going to trust the likes of Barry and Livermore to. Um, to do more, um, and I would I would say that Barry's been superb since Pardew's arrived, and, and every and has every right to, to he's probably the first name on the team sheet at the moment. But mm-hmm. um, I do think that maybe Sam could be involved either off the bench or or maybe starting the odd game over the Christmas period instead of instead of Livermore perhaps mm-hmm. um, because I don't I don't really see what he did wrong when he was playing apart from he got played out of position on the left hand side and, and yeah. didn't play well there, but. You know, maybe Sam's a victim of the fact that they've got you know five five holding midfielders, um, and Pardew obviously trusts the likes of Barry uh, and Livermore, uh, and even and and Jakob and, and Krakowiak more than Sam. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, that'd be my new year's resolution. Try try Sam Field a bit more. Yeah, Grouch and Lie. Grouch and Lie. My new year's resolution for Grouch and Lie would be to dip his hand in his pocket and help in January. Um, it's a difficult one because he bought the club. In mm-hmm. 2016, and he spent a lot of money on the club. You know, 175 to 200 million pounds. So, it'd be interesting to see whether he's got much money left. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Albion did spend a lot of money in, in the summer. Yeah. They were the fifth, I think, they were fifth in the net spend table in the mm-hmm. league. So it's not like they're not spending the money, but it is the television money that they're spending. Now, also, Albion need to sell to buy in January, so they because of their um, their wage bill is at its limit, and they, they've hit their financial fair play limit, so they need to offload some wages in order to get some wages in. Mm-hmm. But what you could do, say you offloaded, I don't know, 50k of wages by, I don't know, selling someone, I don't know, just change them clean. Say, yeah, you sell someone. For example. Then you can buy someone and put them on 50k. But if you lie, can help with that by uh, putting in the money for the uh, upfront fee. You know, mm-hmm. if the new club want. 20 million, Lie can help them out and give them that 20 million. So yeah. I, th- I, my advice to Lie, news resolution would be to put his money um, into the club because if you don't, <laughs> you might lose a lot more. Yeah, um, I mean, it's an investment which he will not want to see West Brom drop into the championship simply because of that loss. No, exactly. And he bought, um, he bought the club because of the Premier League status, because they were seen as a safe bet. Um, you know, he uses the Premier League brand to to win these eco town contracts in China that, that that he you know that he wants to build these housing developments. Mm-hmm. So for for Albion to go down the Championship would be the pits for him. Yeah. Um, and you know, I if it was if that was to happen, I, I would I wouldn't be surprised if he was if he tried to sell the club mm-hmm. because he, he he needs that Premier League brand. Um, so yeah, I, I, my advice to him would be 
stump up, stump up a bit of cash now to get Albion uh, safe and um, secure your investment for the future. Yeah, and our last one, uh, Oliver Burke. I mean, like you said, he did he did come in um, on the weekend. He he, he uh, went forward. He was attacking, but he's not. It's not quite hitting the back of the net yet, is he? No, but you know, he, I would say that other players have had more chances. Mm-hmm. Rodriguez, Rondon, Robson, Carney, they've all had more chances to, to score. McLean yeah. as well. Burke is very promising. He's got a lot of pace. I really like him through the middle, mm-hmm. um, actually. I think he, he naturally drifts in off the right-hand side when he's playing on the right. And he, he, you saw in that one-on-one chance at West Ham that his pace can be devastating. Um, and, it's, and it's the one thing that Albion lack when Phillips isn't playing. Um especially when Phillips and McLean aren't playing they need mm-hmm. that pace it gives them variety I think Burke my New Year's resolution for him would be to just hone up his skills maybe defensively be a bit more clever when he's um, in his own half you know he made a mistake against Manchester United that led to a goal and Pardew sort of blamed him for the go- the, the injury time goal at West Ham because he crossed the ball but mm. I didn't that confused me a bit because you know Less than a week ago, he was urging his players to take more risks to win games, yeah. and that's what Burke was doing. So, I'm a, I think it was a bit unfair, maybe on 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 young Oliver for for Pardew to uh, to call him out like that. Really, mm. um, it, I mean, I would the mitigating circumstances. It was immediately after the game. Mm. Pardew was obviously exasperated that he's just watched his side lose again in the last minute. Yeah. So um, he was obviously very emotional. Lots to take in. Lots happened uh, in the game. You know, it was a pretty tense game even looking at the Livermore incident as well mm-hmm. so you know maybe it was um, maybe it was just in the heat of the moment that you said oh I can't believe Ollie's done that but you know it was a, it was a, it was a long way for West Ham to go to, to score that goal Yeah, it's a bit difficult to pin it on, on Burke I mean it was a decent cross work on your finishing maybe um, you know he, he, he had that one on one chance should have put that away he also had a, had a volley just an injury time just before West Ham's goal which he could have got on target mm. but he's by no means the, the, the worst uh, culprit at that um, I think Rondon and, and others have, have, have missed better chances mm. alright we'll move on um, there was a touching tribute of course to that Mr Richard Eads um, ahead of the Arsenal game um, it's a true loss for Albion isn't it I mean he, he, he wasn't a player but he was a key part of that football club um, and he'll be dearly missed, won't he? He will be. I mean, he was a mascot for nearly two decades there. Um, a lot of the experienced members of the squad, you know, likes of Foster, Brunt, Morrison, they all knew him mm. and they all took it pretty bad. Um, and to be fair to the players, they, they, they organised a whip around, quite a significant one, and, mm-hmm. and, and gave some money to his, um, to his family to help him through the Christmas period and, and, and January and February. So... Fair play to the players for doing that. I mean, it was a massive shock. I mean, he's, he's only 42. Mm. Um, and the people that I've spoken to that know him, um, I didn't know him myself, but I, I know quite a few people that do know him, that did know him quite well, um, were completely shocked and, and saddened by the whole thing. And it was a terrible time of year to happen, particularly with his, you know, he's got a young family. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think I think the club handled it quite well, though, to be fair. You know, they, it was it, there was... A touching tribute uh, ahead of the Arsenal game, and, and nice to see all the mascots from the other clubs as well mm. out on the pitch there. Um, yeah, forty-second minute as well. Uh, everyone, including Arsenal fans, everyone really getting up and showing their support. Yeah, and um, I mean it provides absolutely no comfort, obviously, from mm. what is a, a terrible tragedy. But um, it was um, fitting, I suppose, nonetheless, to, just to show how much he meant to a lot of people at the club. 
Yeah, um, certainly is. We'll move on. We've got a couple of questions coming from fans. Uh, as always, we urge you to send uh, those questions in. Um, uh, we'll start with a couple here. Rian Duffy asks, um, why are the board not being asked serious questions? I mean, this is something where just because the manager's not doing well, it's not necessarily down to the board to fix things on the pitches. It's down to the, down to Alan Pardew. Well, I mean, uh, yes and no. I mean, it was the board who appointed Alan Pardew. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, I, I would say that the new regime and, and Chairman John Williams have, have been quite shrewd in um, the transfer dealings. I mean, he sold Sada Berahino for £12 million, pounds, you know, held fire on the Gibbs deal until until he became cheaper. Mm-hmm. Oliver Burke and Joe Rodriguez, that's looking like a bit quite steep at the moment. Yeah. But this was the biggest decision that Williams and the board had to make. Um, who who do they hire after second Pulis? And I'm not, I'm not going to say at this stage that they, they got it wrong because we don't know what's going to happen for the rest of the season. Mm. And as we've already touched upon, there are mitigating circumstances for the eight games without a win, but you have to you have to say, as I said earlier, Pardew has not had the same impact on results as all the other managers in the in, all the other new managers in the league, mm. and you do at some point that that appointment has to come into question if if this run continues. Mm. Uh, Stephen Sanders he asks uh, what's the latest on Tyler Roberts this almost seems a bit of a broken record at the moment because Tyler Roberts' situation something that you've been asked about a number of times but he says uh, are West Brom looking to extend his contract and why has it been left so late no they are looking to extend they've offered him a contract mm. and um, Tyler just hasn't signed it as of yet um, you know there's a lot of clubs interested um, and he seems to be weighing up his options um, i It'd be interesting to see what happens. Um, I think talks are ongoing, you know, throughout this month. Um, intriguingly, Pardew's taken a look at all of the youngsters. He's had the likes of Lecco and Harper and Wilson all back to train, but I don't think Roberts has been back yet. I mean, he has mm. been injured, to be fair. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what happens there because um, I, as, as much as there is interest in Roberts from, you know, other Premier League clubs and Championship clubs and also Marseille, I think considering, um, you know, where Albion are, Albion is still probably his best bet. Mm. Um, so um, it'll be interesting to see what happens, whether they can time down to a new deal or not. Yeah. Uh, Welton Baggy asks, are we going to buy a striker come hell or high water this January? I think so. I mean, maybe not buy one, but they'll get one in. Mm. Um, if they can't buy one, they'll get one in on loan. Um they just need something new, don't they? They need something new. Rondon and Robson Carno and you know Rodriguez. I like Rodriguez. I think there's a, there is a, the potential for a good player in there. I think Rondon's improved on the Pardew as well, but they need something fresh, don't they? They need a fresh sort of body in mm. that in that in that um, final third just to to do something to make an impact. Someone who can sit the ball away. I mean, there's a question regarding Jay Rodriguez, which I mean, I was thinking the other day. Is he a little bit too honest sometimes? Because the amount of times I've seen him and he could go down and win a penalty or a free kick in a dangerous position. But, I mean, in a good way and a bad way, he stayed on his feet. But then he's yeah, ended up, I mean... Done either, it a few times. Either spurning a chance or the chance breaks down. And then West Brom are left thinking, well, we could have had a penalty there or could have he's, had a free kick. He's done it a few times. He did it at Arsenal. He did it, I think it was against Everton, maybe. Mm. Or maybe, or maybe Stoke. I can't remember. But he did it. Yeah, He has done it a few times. I think it was Stoke, actually. I like that about him. I don't want him to stop doing that. I don't mm. want him to start throwing himself to the floor. I like the fact that he's honest and I, I hope he continues. Um, at the end of the day, 
you know, people will say, even though there's a lot of money riding on it, and even though there's relegation riding on it, and all that sort of stuff, it's nice that it's nice that a footballer in this day and age still has their integrity. Mm. And uh, Rodriguez is a, is a is a you know, he's an honest bloke actually. When you meet him, and he's a really he's a really you know good character and a, and a, and a good head. He's got a good head. So I I don't want to see him start flinging himself to the floor personally, um, just to win you know a penalty or whatever. Some fans will disagree. They'll, you know, they think you've got to be streetwise in this day and age because everyone else is doing it. Mm. But personally, I quite like that about him. Yeah. Uh, and Clint McCormick, he asks, uh, are there any strikers you would like to see us go for in January? Ooh, uh, plenty. Um, I think um, the likes of Danny Ings on loan could be good. Mm-hmm. Parties interested in him. Batshuayi might be available on loan. You know, players like that that are good finishers done it in the Premier League, mm-hmm. got a point to prove, you know, will want to come here and uh, and score goals so their parent clubs will take a look at them or even other clubs take a look at them. Um, look at Mitrovic maybe at, at Newcastle, he's been allowed to leave, but um, I think he's a good player, he's just a bit hot-headed. Mm. Uh, if, but if Pardew can, you know, sing him a sweet tune, maybe you can get the best out of him. Yeah, and the likes of Batshuayi, of course, you know, he's got a World Cup to worry about with Belgium. I mean, if he's, if he's not banging in the goals or playing for Chelsea then he's got to look elsewhere to get some uh, minutes on the pitch hasn't he yeah um, like I said we'll move on now we've got the transfer window obviously it's started now uh, we've touched on where Albion needs strength and they desperately needed a striker um, are there any other names that have been mentioned I mean you touched on Mitrovic I mean like you said a bit hot headed uh, not exactly done it in the Premier League but are there any other names other than him Ings Batshuayi or well, Ings seems to be the main one at the moment um, Pardew's been a fan of his for a while. He looks like he's going to be available on loan. I think he's fallen behind Solanke in the pecking order at mm-hmm. Liverpool. He's back. He's back from his injury. I mean, that's the one concerning thing. He's very injury prone, and mm-hmm. Albion might not, might not want to look at someone who's so injury prone, considering they've had Morrison, Chadley, and Phillips on on the sidelines for too long this season. Yeah, um, Gregor Kroviak. I mean, his situation. There was rumours suggesting that teams in Spain are eyeing him up, maybe PSG bring him back and then move him on just to get him a little bit more game time or possibly moving on permanently. Is there any chance of that happening? Or There is a chance, um, but the likes of Getafe can't afford his wages, mm-hmm. um, so it would require, and PSG aren't going to stump up any of his wages, they've got their own financial fair play problems at the moment. They're going to hold Albion to this season-long loan if, mm. you know, that they've agreed to. So it's up to Krakowiak's agent to find him a new club if he wants to. And Albion could potentially offload Krakowiak, um, let him go out on loan to uh, someone like Getafe mm-hmm. and let Getafe pick up, say, I don't know, 50% of his wages, so 50000 60000 or whatever, mm-hmm. and then use that to fund a new arrival. Um, but that's a complex deal to do yeah, it's a sub-loan basis right is that is that the kind of thing we're talking about well no it would be it would be PSG would would record him and then mm-hmm. send him out but then Albion would be picking up the, the rest of his wages because they've yeah. agreed they've agreed for that um, that's a complex thing to do you'd have to have someone lined up and um, you'd have to know that the person you're getting in is better than Krakowiak now that might not be too difficult especially if you're if you're getting someone who's, who's you know a striker or a creative midfielder because I would argue that the Krakowiak loan deal was a sort of vanity project from Pulis and he, I don't know why he, he went for him. Mm. Um, he seems to have gone for him just because he was available rather than because it's what the squad needed. Yeah, They already had four defensive midfielders. Mm-hmm. 
um, Jakob, Barry, Field, uh, Livermore. Yeah. I don't know why they need another one. They didn't. So, um, yeah, it, it seems like a, a poor decision now in hindsight. Um, whether they can offload him remains to be seen. Um, you know, I thought he did all right against West Ham. I mean, he... For me, he doesn't like he doesn't run beyond the ball enough. Mm. He he likes to sit back and um, get the ball to his feet and then stride forward and pick a pass. Whereas there were times against West Ham where there was a gap that had opened up and he could have ran into it. Mm. Now say what you like about Livermore, at least he does that. Yeah. At least he tries to do that. Um, Krakowiak doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't even get. He doesn't try to get beyond the ball, mm. which means that. You know he's he will forever be behind the ball. Jakob will forever be behind the ball. Um, Livermore prefers being behind the ball, but he's in the same way in, in, in many regards the way that Fletcher was forced to change his game last season. Mm. Livermore's been forced to change his game this season and go beyond the ball, and it's not his game. And, I, and you know I feel sorry for him in some ways because he gets criticism, but he's being asked to be a creative midfielder and he's not. He's a mm. holding midfielder, and you know he doesn't have that sort of. Um, you know, inventiveness to, to unpick the lock, he, and and but he never—that's not his game. So, yeah. do feel a bit sorry for him in, in that regards. But Krakowiak, for me, if they can offload him, if they can find a club who's willing to spend, who's willing to pick up all of his wages, they should do it. Mm-hmm. Um, or if his agent can, they should do it. I don't know if there's going to be anybody that's going to be willing to spend 100k a week with him, though. Mm. Um, so it might have to be one of these weird sub loans that um, is a possibility but again very 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 difficult to and very complex to pull off yeah this is the thing as well Kovac you, you know we always say oh he's done alright but for, for six figures a week you don't want alright do you, you no, want you want, better than no that, you want him to be running games you want mm. him to be absolutely bossing games and um, he hasn't been and he's not even been first choice I mean he's not my first choice at the moment in midfield mm. I'd put Barry in there with um well, I suppose maybe with maybe with Krikovac or maybe with Livermore Jakob. So. Mm. Uh, obviously, no league action this weekend. They t- they take a take on Exeter in the FA Cup seventh in League Two. Can we expect a raft of changes from Pardew for this one? Well, we're going to go and see him today for the uh, the press conference. So we'll find out more then um, mm. whether you know it's an interesting one. What do you do? Do you go full strength to try and get your team? Um, your best team together, the partnerships working, build the chemistry, hopefully get a win as well mm. and breed confidence. Or do you give everybody a rest or a lot of the important players a rest after what has been a hectic and very, you know, grueling festive period, uh, particularly players, you know, like Livermore, who wasn't even supposed to be playing against West Ham, but because mm. of Matt Phillips had to pull up and Matt Phillips as well. You know, do you just take precautions and because the league is more important at the moment, um, and you know play, play the kids play. I mean, I, I fully expect Burke and Field to start actually, mm-hmm. um, but we'll find out more from what again what Pardew says this afternoon. Um, you know, it's an interesting one. It's an opportunity to to get that winless streak away. At, mm-hmm. at, you know, to get Pardew's first win on the board, albeit against lower league opposition, but it is an opportunity to hopefully get get used to winning and get mm. back to winning ahead of what is a massive game against Brighton the week after yeah I mean should Albion look to really consider the FA Cup as a realistic you know opportunity I mean we've seen other teams West where for example West Ham they're not going to play a strong squad against Shrewsbury this weekend I mean is it something where the FA Cup can prove a bit of a distraction could it end up being like a whole Wigan situation a couple of years ago uh, well you 
you're talking sort of ahead of the fact there. I mean, because they've mm. got to get past Exeter first before they get, you know, before they, they start thinking about a cup run. Mm. Um, and the way they're going at the moment, I don't, you know, who knows what could happen. I, I think it could be of use if they win the if they win the game, it mm. will be of use um, because it will just remind them that they can win a game mm. and if they score a few goals I mean it'd be great to just go down there and and turn them over 4-0 just to give them a bit of confidence you know just to maybe get a few of the strikers on the score sheet just to get them used to that feel again um, it, it's difficult to, how much how much effort do you really put in I mean I think they need to win the game mm. because if they don't if they lose the game it's just going to be a factor in this horrendous run and manifest itself even worse. So they need to win it. Um, how deep do you go in the competition? I think you just try and I think you just try and win every game and then see what happens. Um, but if it gets to the stage later on in the season and you're still fighting relegation, but you're in the cup, I mean. But then if you get to if you get into the final stages, the fans won't want you to to you know to. To bin it off, so mm. no, I think you, I think regardless of the fact that there's been a midweek game this this week, I think you you do have to try and win this game just for confidence. Yeah, I imagine that if 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 Albion do go and just turn them over, like you said, a comfortable win, it would it would help on getting the fans completely on side as well. I mean, we've not seen any discontent from the fans in terms of Alan Pardew, but if it continues this way, then you know, and if say if say they lose against Exeter, mm. if they lose against the fans, could you know they could show they some... won't. I don't think. Depends on the depends on the team, depends on the game, depends mm-hmm. how the game pans out. But yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, you know, it would be it would be very bad if they lost to Exeter. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would be because it would be nine games without a win, and there is a little bit of pressure on it on, on them to win this weekend. Mm-hmm. There is, you know, regardless of the opposition, there is there is some pressure on them because they they have, they've gone so long without a win. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get a match prediction, uh, Matt. Uh, Exeter FA Cup. How do you reckon West Brom will get on? I think they'll, I think they'll have enough, but I think it will be a bit nervy. So I'll go for a two-one West Brom win. Uh, see, I think they'll keep a clean sheet. I'm going to go for a two-nil. Uh, Matt, I won't keep you. I understand you've got a very busy day today. You're running off to the press conference to speak to Mr. Pardew, aren't you? Yep, yeah, we got uh, Pardew's press conference this afternoon, which is Thursday afternoon. So if you're listening to this uh, Thursday night or Friday morning. Make sure you look at uh, expressandstar.com to see what he said and see what how they're shaping up ahead of the Exeter game. Yeah, well, Matt, thanks for your time. Of course, we always appreciate it. Thank you, Luke. Uh, thank you to everyone for listening. We will ask you for any reviews, any comments, any questions for next week. Uh, we will catch you guys, hopefully, after an FA Cup victory.